The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hello, listeners. Glad to have you tune in again today for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And we're coming to you from Denver, Colorado and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg or want information about the show or our sponsor, be sure to go to drpegradio.com. You can also listen to program archives, learn about any of my upcoming events, or even buy one of my books. And if you have students who are preparing to graduate from high school or college, consider gifting them with a signed copy of my books, Do Something Different for a Change, or Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss, I Learned from My Dog. One or both of these books will make a great gift for the graduate, just go to drpegradio.com and click on books. I also have an exciting event coming up on Saturday, June 17th that would be suitable for a young adult just starting out or for yourself or perhaps someone you know. Maybe you're changing careers or you've recently retired and you're not sure what's next. Or perhaps you need clarity regarding the call on your life or why you're stuck in a perpetual cycle of counterproductive behavior. You won't want to miss my Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat coming up on Saturday, June 17th in Denver. In this full-day VIP small group experience, you'll enjoy a time of refreshment, personal reflection, and strategic planning. And together, we'll explore where you are, where you want to go, and identify what's holding you back. I will also help you develop an individualized plan to accelerate your personal transformation and help you spring into your new season. Go to drpegradio.com and click on Retreat to register for the June 17th retreat or to schedule a clarity call to see how I can help you do something different for a change. Again, that's drpegradio.com. April is a busy month for many of us. It's also National Healthcare Decisions Day. It's National Child Abuse Prevention Month. It's Autism Awareness Month and several other awareness months. Uh, And to help me bring these topics together today, I have just the right guest, estate planning attorney and family legacy expert, Michelle Adams. Michelle, thanks for being back on the program today. Welcome. Thank you. It's always such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. One of my favorite guests. And you always have so much good information. And um, I just enjoy reminiscing from your New York accent. I'm a fellow New Yorker as well. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to help me bring all of these topics together, uh, healthcare decisions, autism, and child abuse prevention. And I know the listeners are on the edge of their seats to hear how we're going to do that. But it really centers on your expertise and experiences is why those topics can come together so naturally here uh, over the course of our program today. So to help us make those connections, why don't we start first with you uh, just sharing a little bit about how you got started in law in particular and family legacy planning. Sure. 
So as with everyone's journey, it definitely has its curves and swerves Mm -hmm. and you just never know where you're going to end up. But I always knew I wanted to go to law school. Funny enough, my initial love was doing criminal work. Mm. So in college, I was a criminal justice major. When I was in law school, most of my courses were geared towards the criminal law process. And so in my mind, I was going to be another Thurgood Marshall. I was going to right the wrongs. Yes. (laughs) And then as things would have it, I actually worked full time while I was going to school full time. And the first job out of college that actually helped to support me through law school was for a financial planning firm. Interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so one of the months, I'll I'll just digress for a minute. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that April is, is National uh, Financial Literacy Month. So just one more piece to kind of tie this all in. So I was doing financial and retirement planning at the tender age of about 22, 23 Mm. years old. And it was a fascinating glimpse into a world that I was just not privy to at all. So fast forward, I helped the new people that the company was hiring. And one of the courses that they always had me teach was estate planning. Mm. And I literally had no idea what estate planning was. But I think in their mind, they thought, well, she's in law school, so clearly she must know (laughs) something about estate planning. I didn't, but I did take a course on Mm -hmm. wills. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of a long and winding road to the work that I do now. Mm. So uh, I was reflecting 20 years ago, my family and I moved from New York to Colorado, actually 20 years this month, so April 1997. Wow. And at the time, I was still working for that company. But then I had that epiphany. And you mentioned your an upcoming program that you're, you're putting on about finding your life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my purpose was serving children and family mm-hmm. in some capacity. And I have to mention that I was heavily influenced, as most of us tend to be, by our parents and mm-hmm. my mom in particular. So my mom was a social worker in New York City Mm. and was eventually promoted to a deputy chief of the Administration of Child and Family Services, or I'm sorry, commissioner. And I just remember being so fascinated by Mm. that world and also hearing the stories about young people and some of the things that she was exposed to and the people who worked with her. And I just knew that somehow my life had to be devoted or dedicated to giving back to that population. Wow. Yeah. And so we know, you know, God, God has a plan for our lives that he established when we were still in our mother's womb. Yes. (laughs) And so it feels like a long winding road Mm -hmm. that not necessarily uh, while we're on it, we understand where it's leading us. But we're really picking up information and experiences and a heart for certain populations all along the way to put in service to his kingdom. I would definitely agree. And one of the things that my mother always shared with me is don't discount where you're going or the mm. path that you have been on. And, mm. and the Bible would say, don't negate or don't discount those small beginnings. Yes. That's yes. Right. And at the time in the moment, you're just thinking, okay, financial planning, child abuse, estate planning, how are these worlds going to eventually merge? But they did. Yes. And, and and to prepare you for this moment here today to be on this yes. show talking about Perfect. those different topics. <laughs> so you, at, in in that discovery, what where did that lead you professionally? So after about 12 years of working in this very corporate environment, and it was a very comfortable environment. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. I made the leap, and it truly was. Mm-hmm. I heard that voice say, it's time. Mm-hmm. And so... 
I said, if I don't do it now, I probably never mm-hmm. will. So I made the leap from corporate America to the nonprofit realm. Mm. And prior to that, I had actually been volunteering for an organization um, that works with children who've been in the foster care system because of abuse or neglect. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I decided that I no longer wanted to volunteer, but I actually wanted to be a paid staff member. Mm-hmm. And one of the funny things when I was interviewing, the members of the board said, well, you could be like us. You could be on the board and <laughs> contribute in that way. And I said, no, I really want to just dive full on mm-hmm. into this work. So they took a chance and they hired me as okay. their executive director. Wow. Yes. And what kind of work did you do there? So I was the executive director of a nonprofit called Denver CASA. Mm-hmm. And CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Mm-hmm. And this is not just a group based in Denver. It's actually all across the country. It was started back in the 80s because a judge in Seattle said, you know, I'm having all these kids come in front of me who've been the victims of abuse and neglect. I have caseworkers. I have attorneys. I have all these interested parties, but I don't have someone who is advocating for the best interest of the child. And so that CASA volunteer became that voice, became the eyes and ears of the court. And so the judges became came to rely on what those CASAs were doing out in the field. So I knew that this was work that spoke to me and I was invested in what the volunteers were doing and the value that we were providing mm-hmm. to the court system. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm speaking with Michelle Adams, who is an attorney and a state planning expert and um, family legacy planner, and it's um, National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And we'll be talking about that and some other topics as well. Um, it's got to be tough being in that position. And I, when you mentioned your mom was a commissioner over the social workers in, in New York City, I, I kind of exclaimed audibly because <laughs> I know that's got to be tough. Uh, what did you do to take care of yourself? That's one of the themes of this show is living well. Mm-hmm. And so when we find ourselves in these professions that we know are part of our calling and part of our destiny and part of our purpose and God has opened the door and given us favor and given us the grace to do it, yeah. What kinds of self-care would you recommend uh, to others in in these kinds of positions that you yourself um, were involved in? Great question, because honestly, in in the moment, you are your last priority. Mm -hmm. So you take care of everyone and everything else. And it really had to be an intentional decision that I have to do something for myself. And at that time, self-care was just starting to gain momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, people would kind of whisper about it, but it almost felt as if you were being indulgent. Right. You know, yeah. like, how dare you? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I did, and it wasn't and at that moment intentionally, I read a lot. I mm-hmm. love to read. And for me, that was, to some extent, a form of escape so that you weren't bringing home those daily pressures mm-hmm. of what you see and hear and experience yeah. every day. Prayer. Prayer for me has always been something that I rely on to get me through. It's that stabilizing force. Mm -hmm. So I recognize this is where my strength comes from, Mm -hmm. and I need to have a continual plug (laughs) into the source. So I was thankful for that. And I would also add the companionship of not only my family but good friends Mm -hmm. where you could just kind of breathe and laugh and be silly when you needed to Mm -hmm. be silly, recognizing that, yes, there's some really horrific things that are happening in the world – But that's not the whole entire picture. There's also some really good things happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And to focus on those good things as opposed to always being in tune to the negative things. Right, right. And I say often, just as the flight attendants tell us, put on our oxygen mask before we help others. We really, when we're in those helping Mm -hmm. professions, we really have to be intentional 
about taking care of ourselves. You got it. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and it's designated as a time to acknowledge the importance of families and communities working together to prevent child abuse and neglect and to promote the social and emotional well-being of children and families. And so during the month of April and throughout the year, communities are encouraged to share child abuse and neglect prevention awareness strategies and activities and promote prevention across the country. And this year's theme is building community, building hope. And really just your background, your professional background, and again, your passions and interests really um, kind of point to that of first starting out as a volunteer and being connected and um, building hope by sharing your your time really is probably most important. What else can you say about uh, this theme for National Child Abuse Prevention Month? So building community. So often in certain communities, we think, well, my business is my business mm-hmm. and no one mm-hmm. should interfere. And we really have to move away from that because if we're truly embracing this concept of a village, then we have to acknowledge that all hands are necessary mm-hmm. and on deck. And so if there's an opportunity for you to be a helping hand to another family, maybe it's taking a child to a local eatery or taking them to a museum or something along those lines, do that because that can take the stress off of a a single mom or a single dad for that matter. Mm -hmm. Create awareness. So one of the things that you may see around town but might not have associated this with Child Abuse Prevention Month are these pinwheels. Mm -hmm. And you'll see them in front of the fire stations and some police stations. And again, it's just a symbol, a reminder of the fact that we all are in this together. Mm One of the things that I do is I teach a class at Metro State University on child abuse. And the last day, by this time, it's a very intense four-day program all day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I give my students one last assignment, and it's to create a public service announcement, and they have about 20 minutes to do it. And so I have seen the gamut from doing mini commercials to developing curriculum to songs Mm -hmm. to dances. And what strikes me, and I say this to every single class, is look at this. In 20 minutes, Mm. you were able to come up with a solution. Now, is it a solution that, you know, you can just put into place at any given time? Maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But you came up with something that you can implement right here, right Mm -hmm. now. And so it just reminds me of the power when we come together, building that community, what a difference that we can make within this immediate area and the world beyond. Absolutely. And it's like the body of Christ. Yes. You know, we all play a role. There's ears and eyes, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. um, and all are needed. None is better than the other. Uh, they're all necessary working together. And it's the same with building community. Um, child abuse is a serious concern. Do you have some stats that you can share? I do. Just do you to, mind? So the listeners know just this is a, a true problem. Do you mind putting you on the spot a little bit? I'll give you a pop Um, quiz, the teacher in me. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so true or false? A report of child abuse is made every 30 seconds. I'm going to say true. Most people do. Would you believe it's actually every 10 seconds? Oh, boy, trick question. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wow. Yes, And that's startling. Yes. And keep in mind that this is nationwide statistics, Mm -hmm. but just about... Every wow. 10 seconds, there's a report of child abuse. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more in, in the news these horrific cases of child abuse and then even things like organized uh, child 
um, pornography rings and, Ex- and um, exploitation. So yes, that's included as well, I'd imagine. You got mm-hmm. it. And what's great to some extent is the fact that at least we're, we're becoming more aware of it, mm-hmm. which can lead to the uptick in numbers. But to your point, we're seeing a lot of it. And yes. it's speaking volumes as to the priorities in which we place our children. Right. And I think when we realize how prevalent it is, we're more motivated to keep our eyes open. Yes. So these awareness campaigns make a difference if it's now on our radar and then we're educated about, well, what are the signs that a child might be either being abused or at risk for abuse? Even things as simple as you already mentioned, the parents are stressed out. Yes. And so they're more at risk of taking out that stress on their kids. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, Professor. What, okay, let's go. Let's do this. So uh, less about two children every day die as a result of child abuse. Would you say that's true or false? I would say it's true unless it's more than two a day, if it's another trick question. It was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's more than five children mm. die every day as a result mm. of child abuse. And just in terms of putting it in context, one of the things that we should be aware of, too, is that primarily when you think about these children who are dying, these are younger children. Mm. So these are children typically anywhere between the ages of zero to four mm. who are dying as a result. And when you think about all the things that happen during that short span of time, all the brain development Mm. that's happening with children and the most stressful of all activities that a lot of parents, you know, all parents have to deal with Mm -hmm. potty training. Yeah. And so, yes. So when you recognize that there's a lot that's going on with that young person and then the stress that the parent is undergoing as a result of perhaps not being able to manage it, Mm -hmm. they are most at risk. And then also because they're not yet in school, which teachers and school personnel, Mm -hmm. they're great at reporting suspected signs of abuse or neglect. But because these children are under the radar, they're more prone to be to die as a result and just more helpless due to their small size, lack of verbal ability to tell anyone. And as you said, there's not as many people with eyes on for them to tell, even if they could. That's right. That's right. My last one, and I'll give you a multiple choice on this. Okay. Okay, so the estimated cost of child abuse, and this is within the United States as a whole, would you say it's A, $50 million, uh, B, $200 million, three, $2 billion, or four, none of the above? Wow. You, you're a tough professor. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you actually have to know the answer for the way you structure the question. Um, I will say the cost is, I forgot your options, but let's say $200 million. So, no, it would be none of the above. It's actually $124 billion dollars annually. And this is not just taken into account, you know, the, the medical cost of hospital care, things along those lines, but there's also lost wages. There's mm. also uh, law enforcement mm. and all of these factors that come together to make sure that these kids that somehow we're doing we have efforts in place to protect kids and their Mm -hmm. families and when you think about that number this is the the piece that really gets to me so it's 124 billion dollars that amount of money could send 1.7 million children to college so where should we spend the money should we Mm -hmm. spend it on the back end where, you know, we've already created some damage or should we have it on the front end mm-hmm. where we can be more proactive Absolutely. and preventative? Yeah. Wow. Some some helpful statistics yes. to put this into context so That's we right. can become more aware and, 
and maybe God is tugging on someone's heart who's mm-hmm. listening to start out like a volunteer like you did? I hope so, because there is always a need and more as many hands on deck mm-hmm. as we can get, the better it is. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's uh, segue a little bit before our, our first break into um, another area of your expertise, which is estate planning, yes. which you got involved in, ironically, at a young age, <laughs> financial and estate planning. Mm-hmm. But that means you've got a lot of experience now, not to say you're you're old, <laughs> you're still in your <laughs> I'm getting 20, there. 20 something. Sure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about um, including uh, considerations around child care yes. and our children in our estate plan. Uh, What are some important things to consider? So one of the common things I hear all the time is, well, Michelle, I don't have an estate. Why do I even need to do any planning? And then I'll ask, well, do you have children? Well, yes. Mm -hmm. Are they minors? Yes. Well, then you absolutely need to have a plan in place so that if something happens to you while those children are still under the age of 18, Mm there is a plan as to who is going to serve as guardian for those children. And so often people kind of think it's just going to happen. Someone's going to step up. And that's great, but we need to make sure that those people are aware of it. Just as an example, I had posted a video um, to my Facebook page about this family. It was a mom and a dad, and they had twin boys who were about one years old. And it was in the state of Wisconsin or Indiana, and they were on their way to a basketball game at the university. A car swerved, hit them head on. Dad died instantly at the scene. Mom held on for about two weeks before she succumbed to her injuries. And now these two twin babies are left parentless. So you have uh, family members on dad's side. You have family members on mom's side. And now both of them are raising their hands and Mm -hmm. believing that they should be the ones to raise these children. And what could have been avoided by having a plan in place. And according to one of the family members, that was actually on the couple's to-do list. Mm. They were so organized, and that was the next thing that they were scheduled to do, but they just never completed Mm -hmm. the process. And so my hope is that the the paternal side and the maternal side will come together Mm -hmm. with a good plan, but a lot of emotions are involved right now. And so... No parent wants to leave a mess of a situation. Overall, we want to make sure that our kids are going to be in good hands. And what I also say is no one's going to raise the children like you would. Yes. So stop looking for your yes. your duplicate, your twin. Yes. But go with the next best thing. Who's mm-hmm. going to share the same spiritual values? Who's going to um, be able to share the same moral values mm-hmm. that you have? And look to that person as a potential guardian. Right. Wow. What a tragic scenario, uh, the loss of the of both parents. That's the first tragedy. Um, but then to know that you you might think you need a plan just to identify one person who's going to take care of your kids. But if you don't do it, I was thinking, oh, no one will step up was mm-hmm. kind of the scenario I was imagining as you were talking about it and why it's so important to plan. But it almost seems equally chaotic to rather than no one stepping up, having multiple people stepping up. And now there's this fight for we think we're best suited to raise the children. Exactly. And where they could have been coming together to support the children. Now they're trying to tear each other down to make the case why they're the better guardians. A tug of war and yeah. then having to disparage perhaps right. one side of the family so that their side looks better. It's horrible. Really sad. 
Uh, well, what about for um, special needs? Uh, we've we've got just a little over a minute left, so I think we'll carry this over to our next segment. But maybe I, I can just kind of set the stage. Uh, it's also Autism Awareness Month, so it's very important for parents to have a plan in place for their minor children, period. But what about when they have special needs? And just as an example to highlight Autism Awareness Month, um, autism is not as rare as people may think and even seems to be on the rise. I learned this from your newsletter. Yes. Um, uh, one in 68 children um, is diagnosed with autism, and it's one of the fastest-growing developmental disorders in the U.S. Uh, and, and it's not inexpensive to take care of children, period, let alone a child with special needs. So we'll talk about that when we return as well. And the kinds of services um, that families will need to have in place for their child, for example, on the autism spectrum, um, not only making sure you have that guardian in place, but that you've pr- provided a means for that child to have the services they need. So estate planning is essential uh, through this entire process. I'm talking with a state planning attorney and family legacy expert, Michelle Adams. Uh, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. When we come back, we'll talk more about Autism Awareness Month and um, uh, estate planning for children with special needs. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. President Trump says young immigrants brought to the United States as children and now in the country illegally can rest easy. In an interview with the Associated Press, Mr. Trump said the so-called dreamers are not the targets for deportation under his policies. The president says his administration is not after dreamers, but after criminals in the United States illegally. Polling stations opened Saturday in France's far-flung overseas territories one day earlier than on the mainland for the country's presidential election as the 11 candidates of a ban on campaigning. France's 10% unemployment and the country's lackluster economy top voter concerns. Security important, too, after the latest terror attack Thursday. And many don't speak Arabic, and their role in Syria is little known to the outside world, but Chinese fighters of the Turkestan Islamic Party in Syria are organized and play a major role in ground offensive against President Bashar Assad's forces. SRN News. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. Hi, this is residential real estate expert Dan Palomino from the Colorado Dreamhouse team. Listen, if you're thinking about selling your home, you want to get the highest price in the shortest amount of time. To do that, you need a great real estate team and one with incredible marketing. We're so sure our marketing plan for your home is better than everyone else. We're willing to put our money where our mouth is. Here's what we're offering. Interview the Colorado Dreamhouse team to sell your home. Then interview our competition. If their marketing plan is better than ours... 
then you can hire them and we'll pay you $250. I know, it sounds crazy giving you $250 to hire our competition. It probably won't happen because we're so sure you'll find our marketing plan better. You'll hire us to sell your home at top dollar. Why not give it a try? You have nothing to lose and $250 to gain. Call us today at 720-446-6325. Or to find out more information about our marketing guarantee, visit coloradodreamhouse.com forward slash 250. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities. But they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines, a tough and determined few dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred. And still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title. After the loss of a loved one, your focus is on your family and grieving the loss, not managing their estate. Hi, I'm Tony Sterniolo, a Christian attorney. At the offices of Tony Sterniolo, we can support and counsel you through the entire probate process. Probate does not need to be lengthy, expensive, or complicated. I will help heirs and beneficiaries clear title to assets as easily as possible. After the funeral, let us handle the legal steps so you can focus on your family. Call me, Tony Sterniolo, at 831-4400. That's 303-831-4400. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest is estate planning attorney and family legacy expert, uh, Michelle Adams. Michelle, how can listeners get in touch with you? So please feel free to go to my website, which is ColoradoFamilyLegacy.com. And someone always asks, do you spell that out? I'm like, yes, spell out ColoradoFamilyLegacy.com. Okay, excellent. And I'll also provide a link to your website on my website at DrPegRadio.com. So we're we're talking about um, child abuse, National Child Abuse Prevention Month. We're talking about uh, autism Uh, Awareness Month, getting ready to talk about that, all in the context and kind of pulling it all together in terms of estate planning. And National Healthcare Decisions Day is being celebrated this week as well. Um, Interestingly, it used to be just a day, but they've decided to celebrate that day all week. Uh, We need all the help we can get. (laughs) So we'll talk about that as well. I think that's relevant here as well. Um, uh, But let's talk more about special needs, planning for our minor children with special needs but as, again, usually a special needs child, uh, dep- depending on the condition and, f- for example, being on the autism spectrum, it doesn't just go away. Some children do, over time, um, do well with proper supports in place, uh, but they may always need support. So how do we as parents plan for not only the needs of our minor children with special needs, but once they're adults and we're gone and they still need support? What advice can you give? Yes. So as you mentioned, all parents need this, but parents with kids who, and because we're speaking specifically about autism awareness, so if you have a child on that spectrum, as you mentioned, it depends on the severity. There are well, high-functioning young people. 
just as an aside, there's a show that comes on called For Pete's Sake with actress Holly Robinson Pete, and one of her children is on the mm-hmm. autism spectrum. And the doctors told her that he would never read, he would never do this, that, or the other, never drive. And now he's 19 years old and he's driving. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you. And interestingly, I've been wanting to get Holly Robinson Pete on my show. I've reached out through her website. So, Holly, if or your people, her people, if you're listening, I want you on my show. Yes. <laughs> staunch advocate and you learn so much and so to that with the autism um, spectrum you want to make sure that at the very minimum especially if they're the functioning is not as as good you want to make sure that you have a guardian that's Mm. non-negotiable because as parents you've been that that child's caregiver all along and God forbid, and we all know we're going to die. Yeah, so it's eventually. it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. But supposing you get uh, some form of a disability too, you need mm. someone who can step in and make decisions and assist the child with the development. Now, here's a common mistake that a lot of parents will make. They'll say, well, his sister or his brother or some other mm-hmm. family member will step in and do that. One, it's unrealistic to believe that. And, you know, I, I heard something where it's let the sibling be the sibling. Mm. Don't put the sibling in that caregiver role. Put someone who can really tend to the needs so there's no Mm. resentment and they can maintain that family dynamic as a brother and sister, a brother and brother, whatever Mm -hmm. the relationship is through the years. Additionally, depending on the circumstances, the parent may need to petition the court for guardianship. So if the child is not as highly functioning they may need to step in. But before they do that, I would caution, look to see first if you could do a power of attorney. And you can do a power of attorney. So we want to look at the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. The least intrusive you can be with that child, the better. So start off as a power of attorney. One of the things that um, all parents are concerned about, but in particular if you have a child with special needs, is that someone may take advantage of Mm -hmm. that child. So if your power of attorney, you can at least see what's going on. Are there withdrawals being made? Are there, mm-hmm. you know, huge expenditures happening? And you can monitor what's going on there. The other critical piece, if the child is receiving any type of government benefits as a result of the disability, you want to make sure that those benefits are preserved. So what I mean by that is you want to set up a special needs trust. And again, we hear the word trust and we think, I don't have a lot of money. Well, if you have a life insurance policy Mm -hmm. where you've more than likely named your children as beneficiaries on that, what you have now done is expose that Mm -hmm. child to potentially losing the benefits that come at a huge, I mean, you can't buy these benefits on the market. So if they have Medicaid or Social Security income, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that a potential inheritance does not disqualify wow. them from re- continuing to receive those benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely in your best interest to talk to an attorney like myself, who and we can help you navigate through that right. system. Because the average person wouldn't have realized that, but this is what you specialize in every day. Yes. So we really should have a professional advising us. Absolutely. And, and I recommend you. Well, thank That's you. why I have you on the show today. Uh, and again, you can reach Michelle Adams, um, go c- connect through my website, drpegradio.com. We'll have a link there where you can reach her. 
Um, and so, again, this, this kind of care is not, uh, not cheap. I read that autism costs the family $60,000 a year on average to provide adequate care for their child. And think that's in addition to the normal costs mm-hmm. that you would have in caring for a child. Mm-hmm. So parents, I mean, they're truly angels here on earth when um, God has ordained and said, this is your child, and mm-hmm. I believe he equips us with everything that we need to, mm-hmm. for that journey. Absolutely. So a lot of decisions that need to be made, especially as parents, but we also need to make decisions about our own health care. And April is also National Health Care Decisions Day. It's being recognized this year all week long to inspire, educate, and empower the public and providers about the importance of advanced care planning. And the theme this year and I think it's so relevant, especially in light of the story you, you shared with the um, parents of the twins who mm-hmm. both were killed in the car accident. Their, their theme this year is it always seems too early until it's too late. Yes. And I think that is so poignant um, that it was on that parent's to-do list, the next big thing they needed to do. And it, it may have even seemed too early for them until it's too late. That's right. That's right. And none of us ever know. And that's the big question mark. Mm-hmm. None of We don't know when that timer is going to go out yes. on our life. So take the steps now. Once you turn 18, that's really the ideal time to mm-hmm. start making those mm-hmm. decisions. And not that you're locked into it, but at least you have made out an initial plan as to what type of care you want if mm-hmm. something should happen mm-hmm. to you. So this is National Health Care Decisions Day. And we know as an estate planner, you're looking at a whole spectrum of things financially, taking care of the children, and also your your own um, decisions about your own uh, health care and end-of-life decisions. So it's the whole spectrum that you handle, but specifically National Health Care Decisions Day uh, has to do with um, advanced care planning. Um, one thing I read on their website, uh, it, it encourages us that the place for advanced care planning around our health care decisions should begin at the kitchen table, mm-hmm. not in the intensive care unit. Yes. Uh, with the people we love before it's too late, uh, we can make sure that our own wishes and those of our loved ones are expressed and respected. So I'm going to give you a little quiz. Oh. I was a college professor myself. <laughs> so it. I'm uh, uh, turnabout is fair play. Touche. So true or false, uh, 90% of people say that talking with their loved ones about end-of-life care is important. True. True. Uh, but what percentage do you think actually have done so? See, I'm a good student. About 60%. Oh, ac- who have oh, actually 50? done so? Lower. This 40. is like the price oh, wait, of 30, right. 30%. <laughs> <laughs> so 90% of people say that talking with their loved ones about end of life care is important, but only 27 have actually, 27%, excuse me, have actually done so. Yes, okay. that's spot on. Uh, true or false? 60% of people say that making sure their family is not burdened by tough decisions is extremely important. I would say true. True. Yet, 56% have not communicated their end-of-life wishes. Isn't that something? (laughs) Sad. Yes. Uh, How about this one? 80% of people say that if seriously ill, they would want to talk to their doctor about wishes for medical treatment toward the end of their life. I would say true. True. Yet a mere 7% report having had this conversation with their doctor. So even fewer talk to their doctor, the very person who's that first line um, provider. And finally, 82% of people say it's important to put their wishes in writing. But what percent have actually done it? So 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's probably close to that 27%. Pretty close. Pretty good. Only 23% have actually put their wishes in writing. And that's, again, why we have you on the show today. Mm-hmm. So people know um, it's not enough to just talk to your loved ones and your doctor, but you need to have it in writing. And it needs to be in a format that will stand up in court, especially if someone contests it. Yes. And, you know, I, I believe that as a society, we somehow think that if we start doing these plans, putting these plans into place, then that means we are inviting death or disability Mm -hmm. to come our way. And so we have to get over that fear Mm -hmm. and just say, at the very minimum, I'm going to name somebody to serve as my health care proxy or as power of attorney, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to communicate with them about what my wishes are, and I'm going to put them in writing. So as you mentioned, if it's challenged down the road, if family members are squabbling, at least here it is in my own writing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Signed. Yes. yes. So that that at least kind of lets them know, okay, she was serious about this. Yes. Absolutely. So talk about um, what you call the five Ds yes. that we need to um, be aware of, of our plan and um, have these conversations anytime one of these five Ds happens and we'll continue our discussion as well after after our next break. Sure. So the five D's are death, divorce, decade, um, uh, decline, and diagnosis. And so just briefly, death, when someone close to us dies, that's always an opportunity mm-hmm. to think, oh, I might need to get my own plans in place to make sure people know. If I divorce, I probably need to change who I'm, I listed, <laughs> unless you're still good friends, I probably don't want my ex if, making. If your ex is going to inherit all yes. your money, you probably didn't need to get divorced. Exactly, exactly. You don't want him making the decision or her about pulling the plug. Decade, every decade, think mm-hmm. about what decisions you want because it'll change. Diagnosis, if you've been diagnosed with a condition, whether life-threatening or not, you want to make those decisions. And then decline. As we age, we definitely want to make sure that we have plans in place so that it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk, we'll elaborate on each of these uh, five Ds after our break. I'm speaking with Michelle Adams, an estate attorney and family legacy planning expert. And um, we're talking about uh, Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month, Autism Awareness Month, and National Healthcare Decision Decisions Day. And their theme this year is it's Oh, it always seems too early until it's too late. So we're providing you with information that you can put into practice right now so you don't get caught off guard. It, it Don't let it be too late. We'll be right back. 94.7 FM, the word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. 
While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. And if you need support with change and transformation in your life, check out my book, Do Something Different for a Change, or register for my June 17th Personal Transformation Retreat. I also have a great book called Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss, I Learned from My Dog, that is perfect for your graduate, whether from high school or college or grad school, medical school, law school. And I've got with me today a graduate of law school, Michelle Adams. Uh, If you want to learn more about Michelle, you can find a link to her website at drpegradio.com, and she's at coloradofamilylegacy.com as well. So again, thanks, Michelle. And um, let's pick up with those five D's if you'd like to elaborate on those. Remind us what they are. Yes. So it's death, divorce, decade, diagnosis, or decline. And, you know, one of the things I can picture, especially with decline, is within my own family. So my grandmother, who was just my heart and soul, she died at 92. But prior to that, she had already put into place a do not resuscitate order. And, you know, I often joke that if it was up to me, my grandmother would be on ice somewhere (laughs) so I could just thaw her out when I was ready. But she was very clear that she did not want any heroic measures. And if she wanted to cardiac arrest, that Mm -hmm. this is what she wanted for herself. And so she had the benefit or the privilege to know that she was at that place in life where her health was on the decline. Mm -hmm. So she was being very proactive about it. You know, I talk about those five D's, but I also want to stress that any time a significant event is happening. So for some people, you know, we mentioned divorce, but it could also be marriage. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that the whatever decisions you've made, that you update them to reflect your current situation. Um, people often ask, well, do I have to name my spouse? No, but you probably should have that conversation right, with them. Don't let him find out the, <laughs> yes. for the first time when... In the hospital. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, you're not listed on here. <laughs> so yes, definitely communicate. Also, when you have children. And then I find this fascinating as we get into the season of travel, whether we're mm-hmm. traveling for graduations mm-hmm. or traveling for summer vacation, is that so often that's when we make more effort and plan, take more time to plan the vacation than we do the other pieces to it. And I had a situation where a family called me literally at the 11th hour where the spouse was taking a trip overseas. He didn't have any documents in place, Mm. but figured, you know what, this might be a good time Mm. to at least start putting something. So I literally met them in the evening at a Barnes and Noble Mm. so that we could do the documents and notarize them the whole bit. And while I applaud them for at least thinking about it, in the future... Right. Have a little more due diligence. Because it always seems too early exactly. until it's too late. Yes. <laughs> You're heading, running to the gate at the airport trying to get it notarized, right? Yes. <laughs> so things like that to be aware of. Yeah. One of the other pieces is um, 
people when they're selecting their health care proxy, their, the person to serve in their place, is to make sure that they're choosing someone who can handle that responsibility. Don't just choose a person that because you feel bad, because mm-hmm. you want to give them a role. No, make sure that they're comfortable in that role because they're going to have to make decisions that may not be easy and it may be against their own values. So you want someone who's going to mm-hmm. follow through with your decisions. And then the last thing I want to mention is Try not to, and I strongly suggest not doing this, naming two people to serve jointly Mm. because that is a recipe Mm. for conflict to erupt. So have one person named as a primary, someone else named as a backup, but don't name two people to serve together just because you don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. Yeah, and that just leaves more room for disagreement where just one person is more likely to follow your wishes. Exactly, exactly. And what about um, when someone comes into a large amount of money, maybe through an inheritance, or they have a significant job promotion that comes with a much higher salary? Would that be also a good time um, to reconsider life insurance policies? And um, or even someone that you had designated as a beneficiary, they've somehow increased their income. And you don't feel the need as much anymore to provide for them because they're doing well on their own. Yes. So anytime a major life event like that happens, you definitely want to rethink your plan. As this is also National Financial Literacy Month, Mm -hmm. if you were to receive a large sum of money, whether through job promotion or through an inheritance, my first word of advice would be to connect with a really good, reputable financial advisor, Mm -hmm. because that person can help you navigate where the money can best go. And then tied to that, be aware of all the cousins who come out of the closet (laughs) as a result, because then everyone comes knocking on the door Mm -hmm. with their hand extended. So to just be very thoughtful Mm -hmm. about what you're doing with this money and don't feel as if you have to spend it all in one place and to make sure your beneficiary designations are aligned with now your new outlook. Because to your point, there are some families who say, well, Son A is doing really well. You know, he has Mm -hmm. a great job. So I think I'm going to give him a little bit less than daughter B. And you have to be careful with that because there could be some resentment down the road because even though the first child, son A, is doing really well, it somehow they take it upon themselves that that means mom or dad didn't love me as much. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you just have to be careful when you decide to give one child or to to divvy up the inheritance differently. differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we see, you know, the, in the news, the wealthy people who don't leave their children anything. That's right. Because they think they should work for what they have and they give it all to charity. That's right. And there's some merit to that as well. Mm -hmm. And certainly whatever you do, I think kind of one of the points that you're making is have these conversations beforehand when when the reading of the will is happening for the first time should not be when you're learning that you know my sister's getting more than I am exactly because that's a perfect storm that's about to erupt and emotions are already raw anyway yes yeah Mm -hmm. good all right so let's look at um some other topics that you talk about, um, you have a talk called For Ladies Only. Yes. So that that was interesting to me. Um, information just for women. So what special things do women need to know or take into consideration when they're doing their estate planning? So one of the lessons that I learned at that ripe age of 22, 23, mm-hmm. doing the financial planning work is that what I would see are were females, the wives coming in, the spouse had just passed away, and the wife had no idea about what this asset was and what they should do with it. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me at that moment, 
wow, you know, there's a generation that exists and beyond where a lot of that work was just the husband will deal mm-hmm. with it and the wife didn't really have any you know, thought about it. Input or knowledge of it. Yes, yes. And so my goal with that course is to say we need to empower the women so that they're not so dependent on um, getting their information from, Mm. you know, outside sources, whether it's a spouse or someone else. I want them to get the information for themselves Mm -hmm. and to feel empowered as a result. And also, quite frankly, women live longer. Mm. (laughs) So our life expectancy is a whole lot longer. think now about five, seven years more so than the average male. And so we need to make sure that we have a plan in place Mm -hmm. so that the money does not run out down the road. Right. And again, it's not just about the money either. It Mm -hmm. is all those health care decisions, disability. Um, You've talked on the program before about how it's much more likely that we might end up disabled and unable to work, but still alive for 20, 30, 40, 50 more years. So the importance of something like long-term care, and I actually Mm -hmm. just read an article about something called short-term care. Mm -hmm. So uh, now they're putting these additional policies in place that aren't as as expensive Mm -hmm. as a long-term care policy is. So all of these considerations mm-hmm. because we are living longer. Yeah, absolutely. And even things like respite care. Yes. So if both spouses are still alive, but one is disabled uh, and the other one is the primary caregiver, when do you ever get a break? How do you afford that? That's exactly yeah. it. And sometimes one person, one of the the, the, the couple, they need to go into an assisted living facility, mm-hmm. whereas the other person mm-hmm. is still healthy and they're still at home. So how do we navigate those waters? Mm-hmm. Do we sell the property or do so that we have more money to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Or do we strategically keep the spouse in that property? So these are all issues mm-hmm. that need to be thought out and not to react so quickly because we think we're solving the problem, right. but more than likely we're digging a deeper hole for right. ourselves. And when we're in the midst of that crisis and life transition it's not usually the best time to make these kinds of decisions. Exactly. Thinking about it in advance uh, when you can still talk about it with your spouse. Uh, They may, for example, have Alzheimer's and kind of lose their awareness that they're even married to you. Uh, You're healthy, um, but talking about it before that person loses their cognitive ability to decide, well, we can both live in an assisted care facility, even though you're the one who needs the care. So being able to kind of figure out what are our preferences and doing the research while while you're both able to discuss it. Yes. And tied to that as well is it lessens the feelings of guilt mm. that that non-ill spouse may have by putting the person mm. into a facility. So if you've had that conversation right. beforehand, then there isn't that same sense of, oh, I don't know if I'm making the right choice or I feel guilty because I'm going on with my right, life and right. this yeah. person is not. Yeah. And so, again, that theme of National uh, Health Care Decisions Day, of it always seems too early until it's too late. It really applies to everything we've talked about today. It really does. Um, one additional resource I just want to mm-hmm. direct people to is the conversationproject.org. Mm. Because these conversations can, for some people, be somewhat stressful or awkward, they have a great tool, a starter kit that you can download, no cost, and get information to start the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took a look at that. They have something called the conversation game. Yes. And it's just a bunch of questions just to get kind of in a fun, low-stress, low-pressure environment, just starting to talk about these questions. Well, Michelle Adams, thank you so much for being my guest again today on the program and sharing such vital information that we all need to implement sooner rather than later. Yes. Amen. And listeners, tune in every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain Time for Living Well with Dr. Pegg. 
and go to drpegradio.com to connect with my guest, Michelle Adams, to find out more about my book, Do Something Different for a Change, as well as my June 17th, Do Something Different for a Change, Personal Transformation Retreat. You can also listen to program archives as well as uh, read different blogs. Uh, My guest today has been Michelle Adams, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 The Word FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living my life like it's golden.